In Cell Block 99, Bone Tomahawk, everybody. Welcome to I Like to Movie Movie. My name is Dan Scully. My name is Garrett Smith. And we have, you've probably, if you've been listening, we've been talking up like, we've got exciting we've things We've got coming exciting up. things that and are going to happen. as we jacked off into the microphone about how great we are, we can finally unveil upon you yes. um, one of the many great things that we've been uh, working on. Yes. So uh, we've got a hot special episode here, uh, an interview with the director of The Florida Project, Sean. Baker, uh, which we're going to release on you in just a moment. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at I Like Two Movie, uh, Facebook.com slash I Like Two Movie. That's all with the numeric two. We're on Libsyn. We're on iTunes. Subscribe to the show. Give us a rating. Let us know what you think. Give us some movie recommendations to do on the show. All that stuff. I Like Two Movie at gmail.com. We want to get you guys solidly into this interview with Sean. So I'm rattling this stuff off really quick. But maybe before we drop the uh, interview with Sean, quick brief thoughts on Florida Project. We've both seen it. Yes, yes. So Florida Project uh, came around Philadelphia about two weeks ago. Yeah. And so it is now running uh, wide across Philadelphia. It is... Uh, I thought it was phenomenal. I loved it. It's unlike... Um, I mean, it's it's similar into the brand of what this director has been going for, it seems. Um, but we'll let him speak on that. Yes. Uh, I just... It was so moving and so enjoyable... And I have a difficult time. And it's funny, as a kid, I always thought, I'll never forget what it's like to be a kid. Yeah. And lo and behold, I went and did, did yeah. it. I, yeah. I've forgotten. Kids irritate me. <laughs> I, there's The magic of youth is something that I have grown to just have, like, almost vindiction towards. <laughs> it's the craziest shit. And this stripped all of that away instantaneously. It brought me into a story that is populated with real kids, yep. these beautiful uh, characters and it is what we refer to as a movie movie yes. in that every aspect of it is is uh what's the word congruent with the medium mm -hmm. in, in that from sound to picture to performance to script to structure to everything they really use its moviness to bring this heightened but very realistic and relatable story home it, it's it's unmissable yeah i i <laughs> I loved this movie, and uh, I think our listeners know I was not necessarily crazy about uh, Baker's last movie, mm -hmm. uh, but this one really spoke to me. It it sang the whole time, just the moment it opened to the moment it closed. I was, I could have spent two more hours in this movie. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It just was such a. It's beautiful. It's fascinating. It is at times very abrasive and uncomfortable, um, but not at the expense no. of the entertainment value no. and the joy of it. Exactly. Because when I look back on the movie. I don't think about the sad parts. Me neither. I, I mean, of course, you ruminate on them, but I think about how lovely and enjoyable it was. It's it's like when you look back on your childhood. Yep. Anything that was upsetting is almost I don't want to say glossed over. I I, I had a very good childhood, right, so yeah, you yeah. know it's it's far be it from we're me coming to speak from our on, own perspective on on, that. on you know yeah. what trauma can can do, but it it really captured the notion of just like when you look back at childhood. That's kind of how you see it, mm -hmm. you know? yeah. and to see that, but without the reality stripped from it by, you know, 2020 exactly. hindsight is, is stark. Yes. And, and just, um, 
Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I, I have a little bit of trouble talking about this movie without getting into spoilers, which I would mm. prefer not to do on this episode, because um, we don't really talk spoilers with Sean uh, in the interview, so if you haven't seen the movie, I think you can feel free to listen to this, and you'll still get a lot out of the movie, maybe even more, uh, knowing a little bit about how Sean went about making it and uh, capturing the performances he did, because if nothing, I th- truly, if nothing else, I-, I liked everything about this movie, but you will be blown away by the performances in this movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Everybody from great actors you know, like Willem Dafoe, down to young actors that uh, were basically discovered in the process of making this movie. Brooklyn Prince Like, like Brooklyn human. Prince, uh, who are just amazing. Uh, I-, I really recommend people seek this out. It is available now. It's, um, it's making a slow rollout through different cities. Uh, I think you can probably find it if you're looking for it. You know, mm-hmm. just look up when it's coming to and your it, city. It will find you. Yes. Um, I, I have a feeling that this one, because it's getting that like drip release where they're yes. dripping out, but also because this is the kind of movie that I think will succeed on word of mouth. Yes. Where uh, people will go into it just without any foreknowledge of yep. it and then come out and go, oh man, you should check that out. And, and I think that's, this is, I think this will be in theaters for a while just because so too. it's such a sure bet. This I can't see someone leaving. You might not love it, but I can't see someone leaving this theater not feeling something good about it. And yeah. That's, that's difficult. This feels like one of those movies that's going to stay at the Ritz, which is like our local art house mm. theater, all through December. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it just feels like it will be able to keep playing because more and more but people will hear an about excuse. it. excuse. Don't sleep on it. No. Go see it. Go, you might go see, see it. Again. It's, it yeah. I, in fact, I probably am going to see it oh, again. Oh, without a doubt. I, it, it deserves to be seen on the big screen, too. It was shot on 35. It looks gorgeous. It's... See this movie. It is wonderful. And uh, enjoy our chat with uh, Sean. We'll come back after our chat with Sean. We're going to do a quick list for everybody uh, after the interview. Let's say what the list is, because that's how shows are structured. We are going to be talking about movies that we would like to be that we would like to see through a child's point of view. Yes. And um, uh, whatever that means to you. Yes. I, I played it pretty loose. Yeah, so. I did too. One of the Because one of the wonderful things about the Florida Project is it is mostly told from, I think, a six-year-old's perspective, basically. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, that's why we uh, decided for lists we would do other movies or movie universes we'd want to see through a child's eyes. But uh, before that, Listen to our interview with the absolutely wonderful and generous Sean Baker. He was. We can't thank you enough, Sean. Thanks for, for being on the show with us here. And uh, yeah, yeah en- do it up. Enjoy, Sean. Well, well, let's get started with a hearty bone tomahawk to you, yes, Sean. A, a hearty bone tomahawk, uh, which is how we greet everybody yeah. on the show. Oh, cool. Hello, <laughs> how are you? <laughs> We're doing great, Sean. Welcome to I Like to Movie Movie. Thanks for being a part of this. And you know, I have to admit, I, I still haven't seen uh, Bone Tomahawk. Oh, and I'm um, and I and I haven't seen Brawl. Uh, in cell cell block 99 either and i hear it's great i hear it's fantastic they're both fantastic Um, and they couldn't be more opposite of the florida project (laughs) yeah no but i'm i'm really excited about this filmmaker and his his films i gotta uh i gotta jump on that it's just been so busy i haven't been able to see anything i mean even with uh my, my you know with traveling with this film i i've gone to these festivals with these amazing films and i haven't seen one film i haven't seen one film i couldn't i couldn't i, I couldn't see one film at can one film at toronto or one film in new york it's been killing me is that heartbreaking to you it truly is yeah. it truly is i mean i it, right especially at this time during the press tour of florida project my movie watching has has dropped uh, considerably i mean considerably i usually try to see a film a day and it's been hardly one a week 
Well, anyway. I think it's an even anyway. trade. I mean, you you cranked out a, a damn good movie. So, uh, <laughs> you know, if, if it was at the well, uh, at the expense of not uh, consuming for a little bit, I think you pulled it off. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So uh, to, <laughs> to start off, um, I've seen a, a handful of your movies. I, I was first introduced uh, with Tangerine. And as a result, Mubi then put Takeout up. And between oh, yeah. Takeout, Tangerine, and now the Florida Project, there seems to be a running theme where your your movies kind of open a window into a world that is foreign to, to I would say, an atypical world that to the denizens of it, it's their normal. And I wonder what attracts mm. you to that kind of a story. Well, I think it's really... Uh... Honestly, I think it's more about perhaps groups or subcultures or locations that I want to explore myself that I haven't seen uh, represented in in film and television. So it's really a response that I think of what to what I'm not seeing enough of. And um, you know, each individual film I've made, I can. There's a reason why. Uh, you know, with Prince of Broadway, it was. Uh, it was a desire to look into the wholesale district. That was really it. It wasn't until we actually took the time to, 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 to do our research and, and understand the mechanics of the neighborhood and, and how the West, West, I mean, how the African hustlers worked with the Lebanese shop owners. And uh, it, it was a discovery and it was a discovery that was part of the script writing process. And that's happened, you know, the same thing with Starlet. It was my desire to kind of know more about the, modern day uh, adult film industry. Uh, Tangerine was a desire to know about that corner of Santa Monica and Highland and, and taking the time to, you know, to really explore it and meet people from that world in order to, to help us flesh out a script. And then, of course, the new film came from more of a, I, I would say there were, my, my co-screenwriter was the one who actually brought that, it was an issue. It was more of an issue-based uh, you know, we uh, focus and where we wanted to, he, he, he uh, sent some news articles to me that had focused on the, uh, the issue of the hidden homeless in the United States, but focused on the Kissimmee and Orlando area and how there was a, a very sad juxtaposition there of, of children growing up in budget motels outside of what we consider the most magical place on earth for children. So to tell you the truth, it, it comes from just an, a, a desire to explore myself and to, to educate myself and to learn more with the hope that the film then uh, acts as a, as a way of, of, of shining a light on a, on a particular, either an issue or an underrepresented group, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Now the, um, the, Specific performers that are in the Florida Project um, are a lot of them actual. Um, I guess the terms hidden homeless. No, no. To tell you the truth, uh, of course we you, we we wanted to very much uh, work with the community, and so there are many of the the residents from the motels worked into the film. As either there are some there are some speaking roles, there are some uh, there's some background action. Um, Christopher Rivera, who played Scooty in the film, at mm-hmm. one time lived in one of the motels. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, you know, again, this is not. It's a. Uh, there is documentary type techniques, I guess, being employed. But at the same time, it wasn't. 
you know, we are having actors play these roles and it's a mix. It's a mix. It's, mm-hmm. There's a sort of a, almost a, there's, I guess you could say there's a little bit of a hybrid thing going on there, but, uh, but really it's just about, it was just about wanting to work with the community and giving everybody an opportunity. If they, if they worked in the film, they worked in the film and therefore they, then we would, we would cast them, you know? Yep. So Christopher, Christopher uh, was a case of, of one of, of just, I, coming into one of our casting calls and and quite honestly i really didn't even know he was from uh one of the motels when we auditioned him mm-hmm. uh because uh the local the local casting company crowdshot you know they actually did a did a casting call out to all three counties down there and they said just bring in your children uh we're going to hold auditions and they don't have to have previous experience it's just about personas and so Christopher happened to come into the room at the same time that Brooklyn came into the room, Brooklyn Prince, who plays, you know, Moody in the film. And the two of them just won us over in minutes. I mean, just incredible young performers with uh, just so much skill and so much wit and energy and, and uh, charisma. Uh, I could see why those kids were incredible in your movie. I, the, those yeah. performances are, yeah. are outstanding. Are you sure Brooklyn Prince isn't like in her forties? <laughs> yeah, because there's no <laughs> way know, that she has right? such wisdom. I, yeah, it's she's on a whole other level. I mean, <laughs> I honestly, I, I consider her today. I was actually doing a Q and A. I've been on a press tour with this film, so we've been doing a ton of Q and As, uh, and today in front of a a group, an audience, she said, I, the next film I'm in, I want to direct. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, Oh, there you go. That I've been saying all along. She's like the next Jodie Foster. And there you go. <laughs> there right you go. There. I will watch that movie. Yeah. yeah 100%. <laughs> uh, I'm actually, yeah. I'm curious yeah. about your, your process since you're, you're talking a little bit about the, the, I guess, docudrama nature of, of the films you make. So like with something like yeah. a Florida project, there's, I don't really want to spoil it for our audience, but there's scenes like, um, you know, there's the scene where uh, Willem Dafoe's character, Bobby, walks out front of the motel and there's some birds there and he starts interacting with them. How much of these, thi- right. how much of this are you like finding on set in the moment and going, we got a roll camera, grab Willem, let's get him in here. And how much of it is, yeah. is pre-planned? Well, there's always, even on this film, which actually had, it was a union shoot. So there were, it was a little, it was more controlled. It just had to be mm-hmm. because of the size, the budget, the, just the logistics. Um, I still do my best always to keep it only around 70 to 80% structured mm-hmm. so that there is 20 to 30% of the time that we can actually go off schedule and take advantage of things that inspire us in the moment and take advantage of any happy accidents that might occur. Mm-hmm. Now the what the scene you just, you, you just pointed out happens to be if there is one fully improvised scene, both in front of and behind the camera, it's that scene. And that happened to be because those, there are three cranes that live on the property of the magic castle in, in suites where we shot. And I wanted to, to shoot Willem's interaction with them. Mm-hmm. And just as we were setting up the camera and taking our time, all sipping our coffee first thing in the morning, I suddenly got an email that said, uh, don't, don't shoot them. They're, they're actually an endangered species and we could get in trouble if anything happened. And, and suddenly I was like, uh, roll camera, Willem, <laughs> go in that, 
go go in there and just come out and do whatever you want. Just do whatever you want. Just go, go, go before we get shut down. Yeah, because we got to pretend and, we and didn't Willem. get this email until after this happened. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So Willem comes out of the uh, office and he improvises every line there and then we we, we didn't even have the, the sound rolling that's how <laughs> that's how i was like it, I, I just was literally i was like do it now so actually <laughs> the sound started rolling halfway through the scene we had the adr the first part of the scene uh-huh. uh but um but anyway uh and then my wonderful steadicam artist uh uh who uh mike mcgowan who actually did some of the steadicam uh work on moonlight uh, he improvised that beautiful move up to him, and mm-hmm. and it was just a you know one take, and then we quickly just then we pretended we got the email, and then we moved on. <laughs> so that, that's so, amazing yeah. though, because so that, that really does add a lot of um, it, it adds so much to Bobby's character that moment, and it makes right, the motel right. feel like a living, breathing place. You know, as an audience, yeah. that that's not something you could have organized, really. If that makes sense, like we just right. we we yeah. know what movie we're watching as we're watching it, and it's like, oh, this is just like a moment of magic, and the whole movie yeah. is yeah. about, in in my estimation, is about magic, is a, is about these these lives that are overlooked but are full of life and magic, mm. whether you know we see it that way or not. Um, mm. and, and yeah, I, I no, just, we we try to thank you very much. I I appreciate that. We really do try to take advantage of those moments because I look back at my previous films, uh, you know, Tangerine and Starlet and Prince and, and even Takeout, And they always had moments that of, of this happy accidents, things in the moment where if I wasn't rolling the camera, I wouldn't have gotten them. So like the rainbow, that's, that's a real rainbow. And we, we just happened, we were, we just happened to be, we had already scripted for a rainbow. That's the weird thing. <laughs> we had scripted like the, yeah, the scene in the, uh, the, in the field when they, when they go up and see the cows and yes. she says, see, I took you on a safari. That was immediately, immediately following was supposed to be, they see a rainbow and okay. they're supposed to chase the rainbow through the field. But the thing is, is that two weeks prior to that, we happened to be shooting uh, two weeks prior to when it was scheduled to be shot. We were in the motel and suddenly everybody said, Hey, look at, there's a beautiful rainbow over the motel. And I, and I thought about it and I said, Oh, well, we'll, 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 we'll save the production you know, $25,000 in CGI <laughs> cost. Is that we, what, what we, rainbows we are going for these right days? <laughs> well, I, I don't know exactly how much, but we were, we, it was going to be an expensive scene. It yeah. was going to be an expensive scene. And, and, and then what I, I just quickly looked at Alexis and I said, should we, should we do this? And, and he said, yeah, let's do it. And I said, well, how long is it going to take the camera to get down to the parking lot? We were mm-hmm. on the third floor of this, motel and you know when you have to move a big 35 millimeter camera a big panavision 35 millimeter camera that's on a big dolly it takes a while you know <laughs> so it took about seven minutes for us to get all set up and and the and the and the and the, and the rainbow started to fade but we got it just in the nick of time and that was another moment where i just said to those girls i was like girls just talk about the leprechaun at the end of the rainbow action that's and amazing. uh and little and little valeria has that little moment where she she has that little stumble, but it's so cute. It's like it, she says it in a childlike way where mm-hmm. she's like she, she's she's so excited about the leprechaun that she can hardly get it out of her mouth. And it just yeah, it's yeah. So there was a lot of that nice, you know, a, a lot of happy accidents going on on set. Yeah. Well, you really nailed the uh, I, I like to look at clouds and um, 
so I, the, right. for much of the movie, I just was marveling at how how well, and I, I guess this has to do with some of the texture of having shot on 35mm, how beautiful the sky mm. looks throughout the entire movie. Yeah, uh, Those clouds, they seem fantastical, but they're, they're just oh so real. Yeah, I mean, well, first off, you're given those beautiful Floridian clouds mm-hmm. every day. And, and then, of course, my wonderful cinematographer, Alexis Zabe, he just has his own special sauce. Uh, I mean, he, he, he has a way of shooting nature. Uh, I, I don't know if you've seen the Carlos Regatas films that he shot. Um, have you, have you seen them? I, I doubt that I have. No. I'd have to oh, know um, he did silent. He did silent light and, uh, post Tenebre Lux. And oh, then I've seen he post also, Lux. Yeah. The like, opening so you know sequence that, that with the opening. cows is like unreal. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I wanted, so he just knows how to actually, you know, he has an incredible eye and an incredible way of capturing the world. And so, yeah, I, I, that's all him. That's all him. (laughs) Nice. How much of working with the kids is like, I was curious about that. And you you just touched on a little bit. How do you get, I mean, is I can't imagine all the dialogue that the kids have in the movie is written. A lot of it feels so natural to the way kids just talk to each other when they don't think mm. people are around. How much of it yeah. was you setting a camera down, giving them some lines, letting them run, but then letting the camera run beyond when you told them it? Like, how exactly do you capture that? I, I, it was so fascinating to me. Oh, um, yeah, there's a little bit of uh, everything in there. I mean, we did, I learned the hard way, you know, they do, kids at that age, they do have to learn their lines. I mean, they, mm-hmm. you have to have scripted lines for them to at least, you can't just say, talk about this. Right. Uh, I mean, Brooklyn, to a certain degree, yes, you can do that, but, but and, and Valeria, but, but it's, it's always better, especially with the limited ma- amount of hours that we had and shooting 35, you really have to have them start with something and so we you know we had a full-length screenplay um uh, but some of the dialogue when we got on set they had learned it and then i would ask them to perhaps uh forget it meaning Mm -hmm. i would say like you know loosen it up maybe put it into your own words and um and that happens sometimes other times we had to stick to you know strictly to the script Mm -hmm. i mean uh you know, and, and I had a, uh, a wonderful acting coach on the film by the name of Samantha Kwan, and she's really incredible because she spent the, uh, you know, she turned the summer into almost like a summer camp for the kids. Mm. And they, they, uh, they had fun doing this. They, they, it wasn't work to them. Uh, they had fun becoming their characters and understanding their characters and, and doing workshops and put, being put into scenarios. So that if I ever really did need to, ask for improv i could get it from them Mm -hmm. you know and um i'll give you an example there's that scene where uh she's eating at the end uh she we see her eating at a brunch uh at a higher end hotel and and that was really just we had scripted lines for her yes but she banged through those scripted lines in about a minute and then i had 10 minutes left or nine minutes left on a 10 minute magazine on the on the 35 millimeter camera so it was like why don't you just like, let's document her and just play with her. So we would feed her lines. She would be improvising. Sometimes we would ask her things mm-hmm. like, Hey, what, what does that taste like? Or put that strawberry and that raspberry in your mouth at the same time. <laughs> and tell us, you know, and, and so there was a play uh, back and forth, which is 
really uh it was really fun to do you know if we if she delivered a line and we thought we could enhance it we would just deliver it back to her and she's such an incredible actor that she would be able to absorb this stuff without breaking character and then spit it out again it was wow. really it's really uh yeah yeah um and that in that sequence i i i actually we were throwing together a behind the scenes featurette for the blu-ray that mm-hmm. a24 will be putting out and and i was watching it and it was bringing me back and i was i was seeing the way we interacted and i would tell her i was like hey uh brooklyn tell uh say that you're you wish you had a bigger stomach <laughs> and then so she would say I, I wish i had a bigger stomach like i was pregnant so you know <laughs> she would like you know what i mean so she would take it and then add her own thing and enhance it and it was it's really uh it was a, it was a really cool way of working and uh who, who knew i was going to you know, be able to ask my six-year-olds to improvise and then for it to actually be able to pull it off. It, it's incredible, man. I, it, so often in movies, kids, especially today's movies, are precocious to the point where they're little adults and mm. these children are yeah. actually children in this movie. And I just was so impressed that you were able to capture that. There was, oh, thank um, you. Thank uh, you. When I, I read a thing that Spielberg was saying whenever he auditioned kids, he never picked the best actor. He always picked the kids with the best imagination. And uh, that's a great quote. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. That's, yeah. Now, amongst this sea of of relatively green actors, you have one of the most iconic and imposing presences in cinema history, Willem Dafoe. Yet he really dissolves yeah. into the fabric of the whole thing. Was there a process to that of of I don't want to say hiding well, him, but kind of naturalizing him? I think that's him. That's him. You know, he's transformative. And, and I think that for the last perhaps, you know, two decades, he's been given a lot of roles that have been, uh, you know, big characters, often villains or bad guys. But to tell you the truth, I, I, I think of him more from the era of like platoon and, Mm -hmm. you know, Mississippi burning. And, and so I was looking at those, you know, more the straight man characters or like the sweet, you know, protagonist characters. And, um, I, uh, it was, so for him, it was, I just watched him. I knew he was transformative. So he actually, uh, you know, just, uh, became Bobby, you know, he, he came into, uh, and yes, my concern when I'm using a lot of fresh faces on, on, on the, on, on the screen, I always am concerned that anybody who's recognizable in any way, shape or form will pull us out. But I also just have to remember that I'm working with some guy, you know, with Willem and he's so incredibly skilled and seasoned that it, that won't be a problem, you know? And, uh, I watched him, you know, he came into town about a week early from when we actually needed him. And he met with a lot of the motel, not a lot. He met with a couple of the motel managers, but one in particular that really helped inspire the Bobby character. And he, he, he spent time, you know, to understand this guy and, and to absorb the environment, I think, and understand the politics. And you could see him becoming Bobby over the course of the week. It was really great. It was really wonderful to watch. That's fascinating. Um, I think we yeah. probably only have a couple more minutes with you, Sean. Does that sound about right? Um, sure. Whatever you need. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, I so I, I'm. This is going to sound like a strange question, but I'm just genuinely curious about this since we are talking about Bobby. So I'm just going to read off some of the characters' names in your movie: Bobby, Scooty, Jancy, Mooney, Haley. They all end in like an <laughs> e sound at the end. Yeah, is that? Yep, it, yep, but yep. then I noticed that uh, uh, Bobby's son is named Jack. He's one of the only characters that doesn't have any. I don't know if there's any significance to any of this, but I, I just I, I picked up on all of that, and it was kind of fascinating to me. And I was curious if there was any significance to any of that. Well, we were going for you know, and as I don't know if I've no, I haven't mentioned this yet. That, you know, we were. I've been very inspired by the Little Rascals. And, mm. and I'm being serious. Like mm-hmm. my entire career has been influenced by the little rascals. I grew up on the, uh, with them on public te- on TV in the, in the eighties. And, and I, uh, I, um, you know, they always had that, you know, they had the spanky, the yes. Scotty, the, you know, I, they, they were the froggy, you know, so many of those little two syllable names ending with a Y and, and, uh, and we, yeah, that was our little wink there. That's um, pretty good. I like that. And uh, yeah, um, why Jack was called Jack, I can't answer that really. I have no idea. <laughs> well, I think the, we. It we, occurred to me that yeah. he's the one character that comes into this world from the outside and kind of like of his own choosing, too. Um, That's but, true. But That's also, true. I guess there's a few other characters that come in from the outside, but he's the only one that has any kind of perspective on the inside because of Bobby being his father. Uh, and that seems to cause some tension between yeah. them. I don't know. I, I, it just struck me as interesting and may, maybe somewhat intentional. Um, you know, um, I don't think that was intentional, but I, yeah, you don't know. It's weird. It's weird as a filmmaker sometimes where I, I, I notice things a couple of years later. <laughs> that that are almost perhaps subconscious decisions. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so I don't know. I don't know whether that was a subconscious decision or just something that we, we forgot to give him two syllables. <laughs> Could have called <laughs> yeah. him Jackie. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Interesting. I, yeah. Sorry. I, was, I had to ask because I was yeah. fascinated by that. Now, was it a conscious no decision problem. to uh, to make short of the opening and the closing, make the movie pretty devoid of, of any score? Yes, that was definitely a choice. Uh, we even have that in the original script. We said no score. Um, I wanted, to, I, you know, what you you mentioned takeout earlier. That that's devoid of a score. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then at the same time, you know, take uh, Tangerine is my God, wall to that's wall to wall sound. Yeah, know? yeah. And so it was just it's just a it's just an aesthetic choice. With this one, I wanted. Uh, the sounds of the environment to really to really be in your face because we were we were we talked about our approach to the style of this film both visually and audibly and we we thought that if we could make it seem as if uh, the audience's uh, senses were enhanced as if you were a child again where you know your your senses haven't dulled yet so mm-hmm. colors are brighter and ambience is louder so you know, using the using the existing sounds in the environment as sort of a wall of sound. You know, we have Route 192. You have the cicadas. You have the uh, the helicopter that's a nonstop presence buzzing all over the place. And mm-hmm. and so we wanted that stuff to be our score, to tell you the truth. And and also there's also this thing in which sometimes I feel now look, I I love film scores. I 
I absolutely, there, there are films to me that I, I can't imagine them being without a score. Uh, uh, the Road Warrior, uh, you mm-hmm. know, uh, I don't know. There's just so, I, there's so many incredible scores. But, but the thing is, is that sometimes it also, in films like this, it, they can become really apparent uh, uh, um, devices of, of manipulation. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was going to say. Really, yeah. Sorry, I I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just, you know, one of the things that I think is is pretty beautiful about your movie is um, there's no judgment on these lives from behind the camera. And I think something a score tends to do is tell you how to feel about something. And because, because the camera itself is not telling us how to feel about any of this, it's just letting these lives play out as they do. Uh, I, I think you're right that a score might lead me as an audience member to go, oh, I think I see what Sean's getting at here, what he wants yeah, me yeah. to think and feel about these things that are transpiring. Um, and so, yeah, that actually yep. makes sense to me that that's kind of the perfect choice is to let these lives speak for themselves, uh, to not judge that's them exactly from any what we were going for. Yeah. When my, the yeah, first apartment that I lived in outside of my parents' house we lived right near the high speed line. And one of my favorite things was when the train went by, it was, it, it gave me this comfort of the world still happening. And that, that same oh. feeling was evoked by the helicopters. So if I can offer a compliment that, that sound oh. nailed it. Anytime a helicopter took off, I felt this weird maternal comfort that I, I used to find in the, the subway. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. That's funny. I, I actually, um, yeah, there's a lot of that stuff that sometimes as a filmmaker, you're, you know, you try to get things as clean as possible and then think about adding stuff in post. But I, I also just want to, you know, moving forward, especially, I, I want to be open to as much, uh, you know, environmental, whatever exists in the environment and, and really making it a character. And there was this one, uh, again, I was watching the behind the scenes video that we're preparing for a 24. And there is that, you know, the, the scene in which, uh, uh, the mother and daughter are selling perfume mm. to make some money outside of the higher end hotel. Mm-hmm. And w- the way we went about that was, was like a real candid camera. I mean, I, like we it seemed did, that way to me. Yeah. I could feel that on it. Yeah. So we basically just wired the, uh, the actors, Brooklyn and uh, Bria, and I gave Bria a little uh, earpiece, and I was basically telling her via walkie-talkie like where to go and who to talk to, mm-hmm. and then she they were interacting with real pedestrians, and I don't know if you noticed, but it's there's just one moment where there's a truck that was backing up, and that and it has that you know the reverse beeping going on, yes. that beep 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 beep. And I didn't add that in in post. That's in <laughs> the production. But if but if you watch me on my in the behind the scenes, I'm freaking out behind yeah. the monitor. Yeah. I'm freaking out. I'm going. This guy is. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna swear on your podcast. You're but I'm welcome screaming. to swear. I'm going. <laughs> He's effing me. He's effing me. Yeah, whatever. And then and then and then we get into post production. We're like, that sounds wonderful. That is like <laughs> that really grounds us and it makes us realize that we're in reality and it drives reality the realism home a little more oh, yeah. so you know this is something that yeah i love that stuff and i and i have to be more open to that stuff forward i think 
Yeah, yeah. That, oh, that's so interesting that uh, I you literally just made me think back to oh every decision I've ever made that I like freaked yeah. out about and then realized later like oh that was, yeah. that was yeah. actually it was of, it was correct out it was good um, yeah exactly exactly so you uh, you were talking about as you move forward and I think we do need to to wrap up with you here we don't want to take too much of your time I, I am curious so yeah, you, no you've kind of made a career uh, of. I keep calling them docudramas. That's not necessarily the the perfect term for for what you do, but just in a in a loose sense, these kind of like docudrama things are atypical slices of life. Yes, exactly. Uh. Uh, I'm curious if you have. I mean, is that kind of what? Do you want to keep doing this moving forward? Is is this your particular interest to investigate these subcultures, or do you have aspirations of? a big budget science fiction. Like, are, are you interested in, in going bigger and beyond these kinds of movies or this is your specific interest in filmmaking? You know, it's, I don't know. I, I wish I had an answer to that. I, 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 I do watch everything. If you, wa- if you follow me on my letterbox account, you'll mm-hmm. be like, what is this guy watching? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I'm a, I watch everything. I'm into big budget epics. I'm into, you know, into tiny, tiny, uh, you know, mumblecore movies. Mm-hmm. So I watch everything and I really don't know. I do know that it's a, it's a project by project basis. It's not as if I am out there looking for the next subculture to explore. Sure. I mean, that would be a really, uh, that would be pretty uh, offensive of me if I did that. You know, it was just, <laughs> it was, or I, I just basically, um, I, I don't know quite yet. I want to see this film uh, roll out and hopefully have an impact and, mm-hmm and help, uh, the, you know, I would love if this film got the support to where we could actually help, uh, Kissimmee and the agencies there, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, get underway on developing, you know, an affordable housing complex, yeah. you know, th- th- to help, that would be the ultimate, uh, success with this movie. Um, but, um, so I think I'm going to take my time with that and then hopefully get inspired in the new year, perhaps, and, and see what happens. But yeah, I mean, we're the, the ideas that we're playing around with. Um, I do have to say, though, that I'm very, very, very inspired by Jordan Peele and what he did with Get Out. Yo. Because I think what, yeah, I think what Get Out has done is that it really nailed how you can make something that is that is purely entertainment and satisfies on an entertainment level 100%, but then also really sparks discussion uh, about very important issues that we are dealing with in present day uh, America. And, and I think that that's a really admirable thing uh, that he's done. And, and uh, so, you know, I do feel that no matter what I make, even if it is a big budget action film, that it will have, you know, a, a, uh, there will be some sort of social criticism in there. I think that that's, uh, you know, I, I, I think I always want to do that. So that's all I can say about that. I <laughs> love that you said that. Dan and I are huge fans of Get Out. And uh, in particular, if you have ever listened to our show, I mean, that movie, like that's the kind of movie Dan and I always want to talk about mm-hmm. is the action movie or the horror movie or the sci-fi, whatever, the genre movie that has a lot more going on underneath the hood, but still totally works as just a pure entertainment. And what a beautiful thing with Get Out I'm, that it like re-legitimized horror. Yes. It's, it's so viewed as like a lesser form, and, and it's really not. Yeah. Love that. No, it's not at all. I mean, some of the greatest films ever made are horror films. You look at, you know, my... Uh, I put Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Texas Chainsaw 
up in probably my top 10 because they are, and they did. Yeah. And they were doing that. They were doing that. Those were horror films that were also social satires and, uh, you know, criticisms of what was happening in the, in the, in in the world at that time. Mm -hmm. So I think that, that it's just a nice, and you know, it just shows you how, 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 far ahead Romero was, you know, in terms oh, yeah. of being so far ahead of his time. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, when, um, when you were at the Philadelphia film festival during the Q and a, you gave a shout out to how people could potentially contribute to the problem, uh, uh to, to solving the problem yeah. of, <laughs> of the hidden homeless. And, uh, if, if you want to take this opportunity, yeah, to drop I would a plug. love to. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, first off, it is a national problem. Oh, so, yeah. It might be happening in your own neck of the woods, right under your nose, without you even knowing. I certainly didn't know it was happening. I live in Los Angeles. There's a big problem out in San Bernardino and down in the uh, down in uh, Anaheim. So it's happening all around in suburban areas um, uh, and also metropolitan areas. So I would say check out the uh, the website for the National Alliance and Homelessness. That that that'll give you information on a, on a, on a national level. And if you are looking to help Kissimmee and, uh, you know, and also Orlando, I would say check out the website hope192.org. 192 is the route, Route 192 Got that it. we shot on. So it's hope192.org. And, and they are a wonderful nonprofit uh, that is actually the housing authority for Osceola County. It's outsourced to them. And they are the ones who are providing social services to the those in need and also they're att- they're trying to develop a uh you know affordable housing complex on their property so you know so yeah it would be wonderful if people and you know again you know support can come in many ways i'm not asking people to to donate if you don't have the means to donate that's not no problem but uh, advocacy is great spreading the word is wonderful you know volunteering is awesome so you know um so support in any way would be wonderful yeah. excellent we'll definitely link to it yeah We'll throw that up on the page. Excellent. Um, Thanks, guys. Thank yeah, you. thank you. Um, Sean, is there anything you're burning to ask Dan or I? Because I think our time has come to an end. No, no. Thank you guys so much for the support. <laughs> and just so you know, the uh, the film A24 is putting it out in a platform release. So some people say it hasn't reached me, uh, but it might. It will. I mean, the A24 does a platform release like this. So it's almost similar. It's similar to, to, to Room and Moonlight. It'll eventually get to your neck of the woods. So. Yeah, my hometown so is it, getting it, it, it. I think my hometown's getting it this weekend. So it and my hometown's like a you know a suburb, a, a small mm-hmm. suburb. So it's 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 getting there. It's Excellent. moving its way out. Yeah. Excellent. And and by supporting it in the first off, we shot well. You know, we as you said, you know, it's shot on thirty five. We shot it for the big screen. It looks beautiful on the big screen. So try to check it out in theaters. I, I can't reiterate that enough. This movie is gorgeous. It was such a pleasure yeah. to see on the big screen. It, it looks beautiful. It, yeah. I, the ending was... Uh, so I, I cry at movies. It's a thing oh, I yeah. do. Uh, I, I can't think of a movie that has overwhelmed me like your movie did. And I, and I mean that as a, as a high compliment. The ending of this movie was extremely overwhelming to me and uh i I think that um well it's such a culmination of all the pieces of filmmaking to get you there yeah yep and 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 i think that i think that that ending is exactly what you're talking about where that's that's the advocacy you're looking for it it it, um 
it brought all it brought so many emotions up in me that I, I had to look into what was actually going on down there and, and how to help. So I, I think that uh, you know you're doing mm. the work that you're hoping other people will then pick up this mantle and run with it. So that's uh, pretty mm. impressive stuff. Mm. Oh, thank you so much, guys. Thank well, you. and thank you so much for for being on our show. Yeah. You've uh, you've lended us a little bit of legitimacy. So <laughs> sure uh, thank you so much for that, and good luck with the movie. I think you have a, a potential awards contender. I, I so think we'll you see. do. Cool. <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks, guys. Thank All you, right, Sean. Thank you. Bone Tomahawk. All right, cool. You too. <laughs> All right, so thank you to Sean. I hope everybody enjoyed that uh, chat with Sean. I uh, I have like nothing more to say about him other than he was like absolutely wonderful to speak yeah, to. I love cool. that he's a movie nerd. I love that he shot this movie on 35. I love that I'm going to follow him on Letterboxd. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to follow his Letterboxd. To just take his recommendations as, as recommendations in my life. That's right. But um, and thank you guys for listening. If if that doesn't make you want to see the movie, I don't know what will. Yeah, you yeah. really should. It's 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 wonderful. It's one of the best of the year, it and it is down. like you see all the the uh, the uh, one line reviews that want to be on the box that are like it's one of the great movies about childhood. It is. It is. It really, really is. Yep. It's it's up there. And and it's a movie about childhood now, which is yes. also very interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. That does not you know wear any rose colored glasses about that or anything. It's. It's especially like now that we're adult men and they're well, and there's there's children Arguably. in our life that weren't yes. well, you know, you like I have two nieces, yep, um, and they're both very different ages. And one I got to watch grow up in my 20s, one was just born less than a year ago, yep. and watching them grow up and using that as a vessel to sort of reconnect with my lost childhood not lost childhood, but just you yep. know, it's it's in the past has been a really humbling and and strange experience. Yes. And even with that baggage, Florida Project contextualized that in a way for me that I, I'm going to struggle to put to words now, but it's a really great movie about childhood. Yes, it is. Uh, I, I literally start getting overwhelmed when I think <laughs> about it too much. <laughs> I couldn't say it, right? yeah. I got a little tear yep. uh, But so let's, let's get to these lists. We're talking about movies, movie universes that we would like to see through a child's perspective. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, I got... Re- I, I, I am specifically thinking about like I could be wrong about this, but but uh, Mooney read to me as about six seven years old, mm-hmm. and that is specifically what I tried to think about like what movies would or what universes would I like to see through the someone that age mm-hmm. um, with that kind of innocence. I'm on know. the same page. All right, uh, and uh, honestly, a lot of mine are like super obvious choices, but I, I it, they make sense. Now, did you have any rule like from an actual child in the movie or just? you know do the flip because i didn't really pick any that had like a child that was in the movie oh no i i literally thought like like i what i tried to think about was like movies that we are almost like templates like things that we we run through all the time that's where i'm at and i want to put an actual six-year-old character in that universe and i want to follow that character and see that universe through that character's eyes that that's kind of how i thought about it i'm on the same page with you awesome uh, all right, I'll throw one out. Biggest one you could possibly think of, and they kind of already did it, and I know everybody hates it. I don't hate it as much. I would like a Star Wars movie from a six-year-old's perspective. Nice. I know The Phantom Menace is kind of that, but no, it's, it's not. It's not. It's, it's not from, from his perspective. perspective. He's yeah. also the chosen one. I don't want a yeah. chosen one child. I literally want, like, I, what I would love to you see You want is, that Jedi school from the prequels. Dude, not even that. Yeah. You know what I was thinking would be cool as shit? Would be, like, 
two young reb- like two young people that meet and fall in love in the rebellion. They're part of the rebellion, mm-hmm. and they fall in love. The fighting for their rights and the rights of citizens. No, no, no. <laughs> but they have children. Like these, uh, this couple yeah, yeah. that fell in love, rebelling against the government, and is part of the rebellion. And they had a child while they were part of this, and now they're raising this kid in this crazy intergalactic civil war. Cool. But it's about their childhood and what their childhood is like in the midst of all of this, you know? I think that would be cool. That would be really cool. Would you take it in the form of a Kylo Ren origin story? Oh, that would be interesting Because that is what his... It is. His upbringing was, uh, presumably. Totally, yeah, absolutely. But I just... at the same time, I also like that not filled in, but I right. do like the idea of having, yeah. I kind of like that idea. Or flip-flop it, make it somebody who is an innocent child that there are, I don't want to say the dark, the Empire, or whatever yes, it is, the, Empire, the, yeah. the Sith. Yep. It's just an innocent child that gets wrapped up in the whole Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Who's just like, oh, because that's, <laughs> Norm MacDonald has a great joke uh-huh. uh, in his last stand-up special where he just talks about how your dog thinks you're the best person. Uh-huh. And Hitler had a dog. <laughs> so, like, that dog, just when Hitler came home, it was just like, yes, Hitler's home! <laughs> but, like, the rest of us are like, that's fucking Hitler. Yeah. You know, like, that's... <laughs> So to see that yeah. where a kid is just like, this is my dad. And it's like, yeah. your dad choked a guy with the force earlier. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, I love it. Yeah, that's interesting. Nice. What do, you, what do you got? I want to see a comedic misunderstanding uh, Coen Brothers style movie <laughs> involving children. Because the brand of misunderstandings would, you could actually play much looser with it. Oh, yeah. Because whereas adults worry about like... They worry about like, oh, did I use the proper tone? Did yeah. I say the right words? Kids take everything so literally that it would be so much fun to have innocent misunderstandings with huge implications yeah. that are super heavy, if not for the fact that it's a kid experiencing. And, you know, a kid will just roll with that shit as well. Yeah, yeah. I love the idea of just, this is a bad framing device, but like a kindergarten class with a little kid's problem and it gets you know, gossipy and interchangeably. And there's just this web of, of what's the word? Uh, not like deceit. That's not on purpose. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, I like that idea. I like the idea of like a kindergarten class that like somehow brings the whole school board down because mm-hmm. of just like a series of misunderstandings like, between children. Reading. What is that? It's adult acting child. Right. Yeah. I like the idea of ch- children acting like themselves yeah. and getting into the same the sort of same mess, kind of. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. That's really, and, interesting. you know, it'd be great. One of the best devices in burn after reading is JK Simmons character. Yeah. He's the one who's watching everything. Yes. And whenever the guy reports, to him like well it's getting out of hand he's just like hey you know it's just these idiots running around don't worry about it we'll we'll worry about it if it gets out of hand the adult in the situation would just be like yeah they're just kids yeah 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 but for the kids it's heavy and and big and And spiraling out of control spiraling out of control but out of control to a kid is nothing to an adult right yeah i love the idea of that structure but it's good i like that i really like that uh, okay, another one that arguably maybe we've done a little bit with, but I again, tr- if we're thinking about literal six-year-olds, I think an X-Men movie would be kind of cool oh, yeah. with like a really young class of kids that uh, have powers. We got a taste of it at the end of Logan. That's what I was thinking. It was arguably the weaker part of the I movie, would agree. at least in the way it was executed. Yes. But that was an interesting idea. I know. I kind of think the idea of like young children with special powers, like really young children with special powers that... Um, you know, and, and maybe it's a movie that is like the Florida Project, where it's um, kids in not great circumstances that have mm. extraordinary abilities, you but know? that speaks, too, to kind of the thematic thing that X-Men's always been going yeah. for, is if you take what makes you an outsider and use it to define you, then suddenly your weakness is your strength. Yeah. And I think every kid, to some degree, has that in them. Yeah. 
you know, every person to some degree, but with kids, it, it feels bigger. Yeah. And especially with, with superpowers, it's like, it's actually dangerous. Right. So you have to learn responsibility in that sense at a much earlier age than someone oh, that's who doesn't true. have laser eyes. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. I think that could be just, kind of, I don't know. I, I think that could really, um, there's like certain thematics that play out over the course of all those X-Men movies mm-hmm. that I almost think you could focus in on even more if you're like looking at really young children having to deal with that. Mm-hmm. I think that would be cool. Well, in that same vein, I would love to see a who can we trust who's infected of the thing, oh. but with kids. Whoa. Because that's because you get a little bit of Lord of the Flies where yeah. it's who can we trust, who's you know in cahoots with who, who's actually in power. Yeah. And you know, and, and uh, uh emotion and and recklessness kind of overpower that that little society that they have. But what if what if kids were just if there was a bit of self-preservation mixed in with that yeah. and mistrust where it's like, I want to trust you and I need your help, but you might eat me. Yeah. 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 And so I, I would love to see kids react to that. I'm, I'm like, I'm now I'm like folding a bunch of your ideas together where it's like a kindergarten class Cooties. And, may, <laughs> and maybe they have like a substitute for the day that, that, that does something that uh, I don't know makes makes mm. the kids try and fight back against him and accidentally murder an adult. Mm. And now we just have this, kindergarten class full of kids that don't want to leave the class because they don't want anyone else to know what they just did. Oh, there was a short film that was at the Philadelphia Film Festival that was about kids who pulled a prank on their teacher by putting something in her coffee, and when she drinks it, her head explodes. Whoa. And now all the kids are... It's very funny. And all the kids are trying to figure out, oh, I'll have to reach out to Matt and see what that was called again. It's great. Oh, that sounds awesome. It's not supernatural to that degree, but it's immediately the kids turn into... uh, It actually has a little bit of that like Coen Brothers thing where it's just... It immediately gets into, you know, group preservation yes. versus self-preservation. Who's responsible? What do we yes. do? Yeah. If I can blame somebody, they won't blame me, yeah, but we're yeah. all fucked. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's interesting. I actually yeah. think that would be fun. Uh, it sounds like it exists yeah, already. And the I'd Florida like Project, because this this topic would not have interested me. No. Because I'm like, fuck kids. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, I actually want to This is really fun. Their, I, yeah. I want to see that movie. Okay, ready? This is the one I may be most excited about on my list. Because okay. I, re- I, I really think you could do something interesting with this. As long as you can get on board with the idea of like putting young kids in like an R-rated movie and it being pretty crazy, I think a Nightmare on Elm Street movie oh, with yeah. six-year-olds would be amazing. Because think about the way, like I, I actually distinctly remember a couple of my childhood nightmares. Mm-hmm. They're nonsense. They're like if I would try and describe them to you, you'd be like, "Yeah, but what were you afraid? Like, why is this a nightmare? Mm-hmm. Like, what were you afraid of in that dream?" I think if you could figure out a way to tap into your childhood memories of your nightmares and recreate them with Freddy Krueger at the center of them, trying to figure out like what actually scares a kid and how and what, I think that would be really interesting. That would scare me as an adult because as a kid, and really dream logic in general, the scary thing about it is that it is random. Yes. Is that there's no, and so to make that scary and a horror thing, to have a mastermind who's orchestrating this this abstract chaos yeah. that could be scary and then imagine like kids that age having to figure out what the fuck do we even do about this like mm-hmm. how do we even you know because like the the first nightmare on Elm street almost ends in like a home alone-esque sequence where mm-hmm. he comes out into the real world and they lay traps and stuff that makes sense for little kids too like you could really do something i think kind of fun and exciting with like how would a little kid think to 
fight a, a dream demon. You know what I mean? Like, what weird things would They'd they come up with? They'd probably be really good at it. I know. <laughs> yeah, that's, exactly. That's the, um, like, dream warriors. It, yes. Uh, imagination is what kills Freddy, essentially, yes. and kind of invents Harry Potter before the fact. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that would be wild. I think that would be cool. Because I think a kid would would not see the limitations of a dream. Right. And Freddy would be expecting that. Yes. Oh, yeah, I yeah. want to watch that so bad. Right? I think that's a cool fucking a idea. Nightmare on Elm Street. The dream kids. B- babies on Elm Street. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Babies on Elm Street. All right, this one's a little heavier, and it's more of a direct thing. Um, I, don't, I don't think you've seen Son of Saul. I have not. Son of Saul is about a man who lives in a concentration camp. Ah. And, oh, uh, I know what movie yeah, you're talking about. And his child is killed. But because... And it's, it's, it's a great movie. Yeah. But it's, it's actually like a heist thriller almost. It's mm-hmm. the one that's filmed entirely over his shoulders. Right. It's really quick. It moves fast. Oh, it's brutal. But it's it's really exciting, and what's so sad about it is that it's the fact that his child is dead is a foregone conclusion. Mm-hmm. But because he's Jewish, he wants to preserve this body. It is part of his yeah. faith that he needs this corpse to have a proper Jewish burial. So what he's trying to do is get this corpse that is about to be turned into ash mm-hmm. and smuggle it out of the concentration camp so that it can get a proper blessing from a rabbi. And that way, whatever hell is here on earth, whatever is afterwards, they will be together again yep. as one. Why not a kid that's trying to get their parents' body out? Whoa. Whoa. In same, same exact story, yeah. but a kid who is... In more dire circumstances, because Saul, he's alive only because he's an able-bodied worker. Right. Um, a child might not have that luxury. They might be too weak. They might be too small. Yeah. Um, they just might be viewed as too much of another mouth to feed. Mm-hmm. So just move it along. You know, get him, get him to the chamber, and to have a kid trying to orchestrate amongst other children to orchestrate what is essentially a heist. Mm-hmm as well as do inform it by the whole idea of like, I'm informed by my religion. I'm informed by my circumstances, but I just, I need to honor my family. Yeah. That is heavy, heavy shit. Um, I'd like to see it. That that is now you can't because son of Saul's done and it's, it's, it's a brilliant movie. Yeah. Yeah. But I, it's just an interesting take. Yeah, that is a really interesting take. Like, mm. my heart broke as soon as you said it, actually, because mm. that is... You should watch that movie. It's, I want to see it's that. It's not as upsetting as you'd think right. because it's so entertaining. It yeah. is, of course. It's very upsetting. But yeah, it's, yeah, It's worth checking I know what you mean. It's, it's, cool. it's, it's watchable. It's, it's totally watchable. Yeah, yeah. You don't feel punished by it. Right, yeah. yeah it's, it's cool. Interesting. Uh, okay, so my next one, uh, my last two, in fact, very specifically through the Florida Project lens. And okay. what I mean by that is... I want to see these next couple stories from the kid's perspective where the kid's perspective is very specifically, they just don't understand how actually fucking crazy what's happening around them is. Like, to them, they're a kid, and this is just the world they live in, right? That's, like, one of the things I think is interesting about the Florida Project. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily... Oh, she doesn't see herself as homeless. She, yeah. yeah, she doesn't see the 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 context of, of what she's living in. She just sees it as childhood. Mm-hmm. This is her childhood. I want to see Die Hard... Uh, and I'm I mean Die Hard yeah. with Bruce Willis, yeah. Where one of his kids is also in that building and has to be with Dad the whole time, yeah. And so he's run. And so we love the trope. It's it happened in Furious Eight this year. It's from Hard Boiled. We love the trope of the baby mm-hmm. on somebody's chest while they go they through action. Sort of went through it with his adult children in the right. later entries, but that's hardly worth mentioning. So we already love this trope of like we carry the baby around through the action sequence. This isn't quite that. It's a similar thing. It's the kid along for the ride, right? But a kid that's just young enough that 
he doesn't quite understand the horror yeah. of what's happening around him. He's kind of just along for the ride. And he's in, following dad at work. He's enjoying yeah. time with dad, who he doesn't get to see that much, and is home for Christmas. This. That's a great idea. I think that would be fun as hell. Oh, yeah. And, and it's got to be Bruce Willis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like Bruce Willis now, with a kid that young. <laughs> It would be amazing. Oh, that would be... You just do this with me. You can buy the biggest toy you ever had. <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm supposed to be retired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What am I doing? Having kids in my 60s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. I think you should be cool. write I, the th- I something don't, like that. That's I gotta a fig- really the, the good idea. The thing you got to figure out is, like, when he's walking across glass, how does the kid not understand that? So, you know what I mean? you got to find mm. the way that the kid is... It can remain uh, that I innocent. I feel like that would be a moment where it gets real for the kid. Yeah. And so the dad is just like, all right, we're going to play a game. Right, yeah. The floor's lava. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. now the kid yeah, that's in his like, yeah. oh, sweet, the floor's yeah. lava. Yeah, that's you know, fun. That's good. Like that. Yeah, turns it all into a game. That's yeah. good. That's the and way to do the it. And then the kid can see it, you know. But that's yeah, to do it. That's a good idea. I think that's a cool right, idea. We gotta put pen to paper. Yes, that's a really good that's, idea. That's a really fun movie. Since our Die Hard Five was never made, and Die Hard Five was made, we're gonna have to exactly. That's really good. Well, this one's. There's not much to say about this. Yeah. But why haven't there ever been children running from Godzilla? Oh my god. Yeah, why why is there not a movie about just kids that were at daycare and yeah. get stomped <laughs> and now they got to find their way home because Godzilla is destroying their city? That's a pretty fun idea. Like That'd almost cool. along the lines of uh, of monsters mm-hmm. where where the 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 monster is there, it's kind of a presence, but mostly it's actually about this small band of children because trying to get small, home. The the monster is like it's almost like, like, like you know, we say that people are like ants, but yeah. like adults can contextualize how big this this dinosaur is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a kid, like, it's so big to the point of not being an issue. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. It's it's that the, the there's so much noise in its yeah. size that to them it would just be about getting you know getting home. Got to get home. You know, it's it's you know, I, there's a million ants a day that I don't step on. Right. And it's because our worlds are just not connected. Right. It would be great to see that, but at the same time, like they know something's up. But yeah. To to them, it's not how do we stop this monster. It's how do I get home? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mom knows what to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah let's let's do that. Yeah, their goals are kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That's a really good one. I, would do I, I like that. Uh, okay, so my last one is is maybe not the most exciting one, but same thing. This has got to be the perspective of children that don't totally understand what's happening around them. I would love to see a classic you've got mail rom com where each person has a child of their own. That also has to meet and be- not fall in love, but like meet and befriend each other yeah, yeah. as the Brady their, Bunch situation. As their parents are falling love, falling in love in the background, and the movie would literally be from the six year old's perspective, where there's basically a rom com happening in the background of this kid's movie mm-hmm. that we don't always get to see. You know what I mean? We, yeah, like, we just we, get the pie- we recognize yeah. the pieces. Yeah. Exactly, we recognize that there's that. a rom com happening in the background, but we're not as privy to it as we normally would be in a rom com yeah. because it's from the six year old's perspective. I think that would be actually kind of adorable and awesome. I think it would be fun if towards the end we start to see the background becomes turbulent oh. and the parents don't really like not don't really like each other, yeah. but it might not work out. Yeah. But the kids who see the value in it start to now ploy oh. to bring them together. Oh, that's so good. And your classic they, third yeah, act boom. misunderstanding that we always hate in rom coms. Yes. But it gets elevated because now the kids gotta home alone their way it. through that to get them back together. And it could be simple where it's just like your dad buys the best toys. Yeah. We don't wanna we don't wanna lose him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then ultimately they learn what's happening. I love that. That would be great. I think that's a cool idea. That would I'm be like a really it. adorable movie i think i would watch it it yeah. would be called Ooh, uh hmm. i was trying to think of a like a you've got mail pun but I... youth got mail. oh that's it that's the one uh, the other one's low fidelity <laughs> <laughs> I, could think of. Better. I like that that's good 
Uh, the my number one is I would like to see a Rashomon story, Ooh. and each kid because they have even w- more wildly differing lenses of what's going on in a similar situation, telling you know even if it's just who stole the cookie, yeah. Uh, each kid telling their story would be wildly different, and oh. those little nuggets of truth that connect them would be that would what be tells the story. So fun, and so a Rashomon, but with kids that would be so fun like uh, i don't want to spoil it for our listeners but like uh sean talked about a little bit in the interview that 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 um the diner scene with Mm. uh mooney like think about that where it's like it's literally like a locked shot real close on a kid's face and they're recounting the story of how Mm -hmm. the cookies got stolen and then we watch it kind of play out like their scenario that would be so fun and each one like each kid whatever like the reenactment of what they're telling yeah would take the shade of like what their character is. Yeah, totally. So like if one kid, you know, is a little bit more fantasy oriented, his version would yep. be heightened and the filmmaking quality would be heightened. Yeah. Um if someone else, you know, if the one kid was like kind of an asshole, his would be yeah. more of a gritty look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there'd be a lot of fun to explore there. That is so, such a cool idea. Rashomon babies. Did, thank you to Sean Baker for inspiring <laughs> yeah. what is one of the most fun lists we've done on that the was show, a good I list. think. We played it loose and ended up hitting kind of the same idea. Yes, yeah. That's uh oh man, that was that was fucking fun. I literally that just spawned my brain for like ideas to put on paper. Mm-hmm. I love it. So good. Thank you, Sean. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you and thank you for uh for listening, guys. Um we're going to be coming at you hot with some... Uh, we can actually announce our next we can. episode. Yes. We, we were planning ahead. Yes. An idea that, that my buddy Rob told me years ago. We he should was probably like, you gotta do. do it. And we, we did, and then we stopped. Yeah. But um, our next episode is going to be uh, Thor Ragnarok. Yes, sir. So uh, big YTT fans yes. in, in this studio. So we're going to check it out. I am super excited for Thor Ragnarok. Uh, mostly because of YTT's name on it. Well, remember back in the day when Zeppelin like would not lend their songs out for everything, yes. for anything, and now it's just... It's ubiquitous. Yeah, it's yeah. everywhere. So good. Yeah. Uh, I'm very excited for Thor. I think it's going to be a fun episode. Uh, that'll probably drop in like a week or two uh, yeah. after you're hearing this. Probably a week. Uh, and uh, yeah, so go see Thor this weekend and then join us next week for an episode on Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find our show on Twitter at I Like 2 Movie. That's numeric 2, facebook.com slash I Like 2 Movie, or I Like 2 Movie at gmail.com if you'd like to send us an email, recommend a movie for us to watch and do on the show. Uh, subscribe and rate on iTunes. Uh, definitely recommend stuff there. We've gotten some pretty cool uh, reviews lately where people have actually asked about a couple of things that they uh, actually Hook came up in uh, oh. the reviews of our show on iTunes. Someone I hate would, that movie. So yeah, let's someone do it. would like for us to watch <laughs> yeah. that and do an episode on it. I would it, totally so, do that. Yeah. And maybe I don't hate that movie. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Uh, but uh, so yeah, definitely leave some comments in there and then let us know what you want us to do. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Philadelphia. It's with an F, letterbox.com slash Philadelphia. Still reviewing every damn thing I watch over there. And uh, farsightedblog.com. I just did a review of Creep 2 for them. Ooh. And I'm, st- I'm just getting through like the last few movies in my Herschel Gordon Lewis box set. So I am wicked, coming out wicked too. jelly. I really want to see Ooh, Creep Two. Creep Two is a lot of fun. Uh, I can recommend that to people. Check out Creep Two. Nice, nice. So I am uh, at Dan Scully on everything, Twitter, Letterboxd, all that fun stuff. You can check out my writing on cinadelphia.com and um, and also on findie.com. P h i n d i e. I covered the Philadelphia Film Festival, um, which is where the Florida Project premiered. Yes, in our lovely city. So. Uh, Definitely check out findy.com and um, also, oh yes, drop a plug for the Shame Files podcast oh, as well. Um, we've both done episodes with them. Um, I, the Halloween episode's great. Thank so you. Compliments to you. Thank you very much. That was a fun episode. Hearing two people that have never seen it yeah. gush over it 
was so much fun, and I, I imagine only a percentage of the fun of watching it happen. Oh, dude, so, it was so exciting. Yeah, it was yeah. a good time. So check out The Shame Files. It's a great concept. Yes. Uh, Ryan Silverstein, Jill Malcolm, both of Cinadelphia. Uh, that is their podcast in which they watch movies that they should have seen by now but yes. haven't. And so we're crossing stuff off of our shame files. And I believe in the future we're going to be doing a uh, coordinated episode of I Like to Movie Movie and Shame Files where they're introducing Garrett and I to The Devil Wears Prada. I believe we are going to so, do that. So uh, hopefully that'll get set up soon and you guys will listen. But in the that. meantime, there's there's a backlog of episodes yes. that are all worth checking Very out. Very good ones, yeah. So yeah, check out Shame Files. Awesome. Uh, let's sign off. My name is Garrett Smith and I like to movie movie. My name is Dan Scully and I like to movie movie. And uh, for Sean Baker, I'm yeah. sure that he behalf, likes to yeah. movie movie. And we all know that you like to movie movie because, because we, we like to movie.